This is a podcast from Delancey Elim Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 in the Delancey Elim Church building at Le Bank St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. Father, we do thank you that you will never let us go. We do thank you that you are always near us and that all we need to do is just call on your name and you'll hear us. And I just pray, Lord God, that as we come around your word this week, I just pray that you will encourage us. The end of a busy week, Lord God, I pray that we will just hear from you, that we'll hear what you have to say for our lives and for our situations. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's really hard to believe that just a, a few short weeks ago we were in the throes of celebrating a brand new year. You know, as the clock struck midnight on the 31st of December and as the bells rang out, shouts of Happy New Year echoed around the globe. But, you know, for so many people that word happy is so far removed from their reality. You know, the BBC recently did a survey and it, it disturbingly revealed that only 36%, only 36% of people in Britain would actually consider themselves to be happy. And you know, when the BBC asked those surveyed what it would take to make them happy, their answers included being in love, having more friends, having a better job, getting more recognition in the workplace, becoming a parent, being more attractive... And you know what? On the back of that survey, the BBC decided that happiness is on the decline. That's what they said, happiness is on the decline. But as believers in Jesus Christ, the great news is that we can buck the trend. As believers in Jesus Christ, we can defy the odds. Because you know what? Despite popular belief, true happiness... True joy is not based on what's happening around you, it's based on what's happening within you. And you know, this morning what we're going to do is, we're going to take a real look at, we're going to get past our superficial understanding of happiness and we're going to look at what God says about the whole subject. So let's turn to the Word. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5 into that really well-known Beatitudes passage. It's often called the How to Be Attitudes. And, you know, we're going to start at verse 3. So, Jesus is teaching and he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will be will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And you know what? In preparing to speak today, I did a little bit of a study around the meaning of the word blessed, because we use it all the time, but I'm not always sure we we really know what it means. You know, in doing my study, I discovered that it's actually an old English word, which is taken from translations of the Latin Bible. And the Greek, in Greek, the word blessed, which I can't pronounce at all, it means happy. So Jesus is 
basically, in this passage, he's given us the keys to happiness. Jesus is saying, listen, those who recognise their spiritual needs, they are happy. Those who are humble are happy. Those who are treated badly for doing good, they are happy. Now, of course, to us as humans, that all sounds a little bit back to front, a little bit upside down and contradictory. Because let's face it, being sad, being poor, being persecuted, facing flack, it doesn't exactly sound like a happy state of affairs. But you know what? We need to understand that Jesus is not teaching us the route to a fuzzy feeling. Jesus is not teaching us how to get that emotional high that we so often label as happiness. No, he is showing us that despite popular opinion, real happiness, real deep joy, it doesn't depend on the right circumstances, it depends on the right attitudes. And you know, life, it can be tough, can't it? It can be painful, it can hurt, it can cause us to come up against storms and trials and difficulties. You know, life is not always a walk in the park. Things don't always go our way. That's just par for the course. But you know what the great news is? And this is great news. The great news is that God's definition of happiness is so much deeper than ours and it does not depend on what's happening in your life. It doesn't depend on what's happening to you tomorrow morning when you get up. It's deeper than that. You know, the type of happiness, the type of joy that God wants to release into your life doesn't depend on your external circumstances. You know, finding real joy Finding real happiness, God's kind of happiness, it's an inside job. It's an internal thing. You know, it's who you are on the inside that makes you truly happy, that makes you truly joyful. And so, as I said this morning, we're going to really move beyond that superficial understanding that we have of happiness. This morning, we are going to move beyond our human pursuit of happiness. We're going to look beyond that. And we are going to tap into some of the Bible's tips for attaining real happiness. So firstly, to experience true happiness, to experience true joy, outrageous, contagious joy, what do we need to do? We need to check our perspective. You know, a guy, he was praying and he said, Lord, so far today I've done really well. You know, I haven't been rude to my partner, I haven't shouted at the kids, I haven't gossiped, I haven't lied, I haven't sworn, I haven't been moody, I haven't been grumpy. But in a moment, I'm going to get out of bed and then I'll need all the help I can get. So true though, isn't it? But we live in this age that celebrates self-sufficiency. And you know, as a result of that, as a result of this celebration of self-sufficiency, we can really struggle as people to admit our need of God. Because admitting that we need help, it goes against the grain, doesn't it? It goes against the grain. Because of our desire to conform to people's expectations of us, we can waste so much of our life trying to live up to what other people think is perfection. But you know what? We can waste so much time pretending that we have it all together. But the truth is, and this is the truth, there are no perfect people. No matter who you are, 
No matter what you do, no one, no one has it all together all of the time. And so often we buy into this misguided belief that our value is based on our accomplishments. But that's so not true. That is such a lie. You know, I I heard recently that children as young as six years of age are attempting suicide. As young as six years of age. Why? Because of exam stress and the pressure to perform. And you know what? Society, it constantly defines people on the basis of their material success, on the basis of how well they've done at school or how well they've done at work. But you know what, as people of God, we need to say, I'm going to refuse to buy into that mindset. I'm going to refuse to adopt that way of thinking. Because your worth, your worth is not determined by what you have or haven't done. Your worth is not determined by what you can or can't do. Your worth is determined by the fact that an amazing, incredible or powerful God loves you. And he's got a plan for your life and he cares for you. Your value is determined by who you are in Christ, not by your exam results, not by your job title, not by how big your house is. It's by who you are in Christ, who Christ has created you to be. Can you go with me to Matthew chapter 5? We're going to read verse 5. Just have a look back at the passage we just read. Okay, Jesus says in the Living Bible, he says, happy are the humble. And you know what, that word humble, so often so misunderstood. You know, being humble doesn't mean being a wimp. Being humble, it's not a weakness. It is a major strength. Why is that? It's because humility and happiness, they go hand in hand. They partner together. And you know what, when we make a choice, a determined choice to hold up our hands in humility and say, God, I need you in my life. God, I need you to intervene in my situation, in my relationship, in my workplace, in my home. When we say that, you know, we experience an amazing sense of freedom. An amazing sense of freedom. You know, when we make a choice to move from a place of self-sufficiency to a place of God dependency, it frees us up. When we make a choice to humble ourselves and acknowledge our need of God, it, it relieves the stress and the pressure and the worry and the anxiety because we're free to admit that actually we don't have all the answers. We haven't got them all. When we humble ourselves, we're free to realise that actually the world isn't relying on us to, to solve all of its problems. When we humble ourselves, we realise that we don't have to fake perfection. We're free to be who we are, who God wants us to be. And you know what, even though things aren't always ideal in your world, because they're not, are they? Even though your relationships may not always be the way you'd want them to be, even though your job might not be as good as you'd like it to be, even though... You may be up against financial pressures and stresses. Even that, despite all of those things, you know, you can experience an internal joy. An internal joy as you humble yourself and decide to release the reins of your life by placing your life 
into the hands of an amazing God. And no matter who you are, no matter what your background, no matter what your status, no matter what your education, the truth is that we all need Jesus at the centre of our life. We all need to make Jesus the pivot of our world because we need God's power to make it through. We need God's power to make it through. And you know what? God's power supply, it's available to you today. But you have to make a decision to plug into it if you want to access it. You know, you've got to get to that place where you are willing to humble yourself and admit that actually, yes, God, I do need you in my situation. I do need you in my world. You know, we have to make a a choice in humility to let go of our burdens, to let go of our problems and our worries and our fears and to cast them onto the Lord. Believing, knowing, being confident that he cares for us and that he's got it all covered. You know, when we make a choice, when we make a choice to humble ourselves and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Apart from him, I can do nothing. When we make a choice to have that kind of perspective, that's when we will experience God's supernatural, supernatural power working in and through our lives. You know, humility, it's amazing. It's so underrated. It's amazing. It it accepts the fact that we can be happy despite our external circumstances because we are believing in in an incredible God because we are depending on God and not on ourselves. So the first way in which we can experience real happiness is by, by having humility and checking our perspective. The second way in which we can experience real happiness and true deep joy is by practicing contentment. You know, I don't know what your life is like at the moment, but I'm guessing that there are things in your life that you could find to complain about if you wanted to. At the same time, there will be things that you can be grateful for. What point am I trying to make? What am I saying? I'm saying that we choose the attitude that we adopt. We choose our approach to life. And you know what? Maybe if we think about ourselves, maybe we realise that we have become pre-programmed to complain. Maybe complaints, they easily roll off our lips. But you know what, if that's how we are, we don't need to just accept it. We don't need to just lie down and say, oh well, that's me, that's the way I'm made, that's the way I'm always going to be. We can change. We can change. You know, we can decide to start gravitating towards the positive rather than just always focusing on the negative. You know, the Apostle Paul, he was someone who probably had quite a few things to complain about in the natural. I mean, let's face it, if you've been thrown in prison a number of times, chased around Europe, shipwrecked, beaten, constantly opposed, you might feel entitled to a little bit of a gripe. But you know what, Paul, he refused to moan. He refused to moan. Let's have a look at what he said. Can you go with me to Philippians? We're going to read chapter 4 from verse 11. So to put this into context for you, Paul is writing this from a Roman prison. 
He's not writing it from the com- comfort of his armchair. He's in prison. And this is what he says. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You know, Paul said in this passage that we've just read, I have learned, underline that in your Bible if you've got a pen, I have learned to be content. You know, it wasn't automatic for him. It didn't come easy to him. It wasn't natural to him. Contentment was something that he had trained himself to experience. And you know what? We need to do the same. And we need to teach ourselves to practice contentment. And it's not easy. But how do we do it? How do we teach ourselves to practice contentment? We do it by rising above the if-onlys. You know, how often do we find ourselves saying, you know, I would be happy, I would be more joyful if only my partner was more understanding, if only my kids were more well-behaved, if only my house was a bit bigger, if only I could afford that holiday that I so desperately need, if only I could get that promotion I want, if only my colleagues at work were nicer to me. How often do we find ourselves making excuses for our lack of contentment. You know, to be content, it's going to involve us changing our mindset. It's going to involve a shift of mindset. To be content, we need to stop obsessing over what we don't have and start being thankful for what we do have. To be content, we need to stop dwelling on what's wrong with our situation and we need to start thinking about what's what's right with it. You know, as Paul said, contentment, it doesn't have anything to do with our circumstances or possessions. It doesn't have anything to do with us. It, because, you know, despite his constantly changing situation, Paul was able to remain consistently content because he understood that contentment, it's an internal decision. You know, he said... I've been in need and I've been in plenty. I've been hungry and I've been well fed. But I have learnt to be content at all times and in all things. You know, I was speaking to a lady recently when I was back home in London and she is going through a really horrific, really painful divorce. And you know what, she's been really treated quite badly and as a result of that she would have every right to be extremely angry, extremely resentful, and, and even bitter. But you know what? In speaking to her, I, it became apparent that she has made a choice. She has made a determined choice to be thankful for the positive things that came out of her marriage. So she's making a choice to be thankful for the beautiful kids that she's got. She's making a choice to be thankful for the opportunities that her relationships brought, brought her way which she may not have had without being married. And you know what? As she's making that choice, that difficult choice to practice gratitude, (laughs) it's changing the way that she feels about her situation. 
It's changing the way she feels about it. It's making a difference in her life, a positive difference. You know, someone once said, gratitude is a virtue that opens many doors to contentment. And so to be content, we need to adopt an attitude of gratitude. You know what, life is sometimes tough, as we were saying, but despite that, I just want to remind you of a few things that we can be grateful for this morning. If we woke up today, we are better off than the one million people who didn't even make it through the week. If we can sit down this afternoon and in an armchair and have a cup of coffee and read a newspaper, we are more fortunate than the 500 million men, women and children who are caught up in the, the agonies of war, the loneliness of imprisonment and who are experiencing the pangs of starvation. You know, if we could can attend church without threat, which we can. We are more blessed than the two billion people who've never even been able to go inside a church building. If we have food in our stomachs, clothes on our back and a roof over our head, we are richer than 75% of the world's population. If we have money in our bank, we are in the world's top 8%. If we've got a Bible, we're looking at them this morning, we're better off than the 1.5 billion people who've never even seen one. You know, it kind of puts things into perspective, doesn't it? You know, we were created to have thankful hearts and that is the key to contentment. Gratitude, it's the secret of satisfaction. Gratitude is a life-changing, happiness-inducing choice that we need to make. You know, we may not always feel like thanking God. I know I don't always feel like thanking God. But we need to learn to practice contentment because it will do something positive within us. We need to learn to voice our gratitude. You know, when we practice contentment, when we make a decision to say, I thank you, God, that despite the storms I'm facing, I know that I am just going through. You know, we practice contentment when we say, thank you God, that I am independent of my circumstances because they are powerless to remove the joy I found in you. We practice contentment when we say, thank you God, that you are for me and if you are for me, then nothing can stand against me. You know, we practice contentment when we say, thank you God, that I am fearfully I'm wonderfully made. I thank you, God, that I can find my identity in you and in what you say about me. You know, gratitude is powerful. It is powerful. It will change your life. And so this week I want to give you a bit of a task. It's almost like a little bit of homework. But I want you to take this seriously and I want you to find a time this week to sit down on your own and make a gratitude list. You know, I want you to write down on that list every single thing that you've got to be thankful for, no matter how big or small it is. So the fact that you woke up in the morning, you can open your eyes and see, that can go on your list. The fact that you can hear, the fact that you can get on a bus or get in a car to get to work, that can go on your list. No matter how big or small, I want you to put every single thing that you've got to be thankful for on your list. And then I want you to keep that. I want you to keep it safe and I want you to regularly review it and add to it. I also want you to read it out loud to yourself. 
Because you know what? In Psalm 103, verse 2, we're told to forget not all his benefits. And you know what? I really believe that as we use that list to remind ourselves with grateful, thankful hearts of all that God has done in and through us, it will bring an incredible sense of joy to our life. It will bring an internal happiness to our world. The third way in which we can know true happiness and joy is by pursuing our purpose. Let's go to Ephesians 1. We're going to read verse 11. I'm going to read this to you from the message so it will be slightly different. But I'd like you to to have a look at it in your own Bible. Okay, so it says, It's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had his eye on you. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. You know, before we were even a twinkle in anyone's eye, God had his eye on us. He had a plan for us because he is a God of purpose. And everything God has ever created and will ever create has a purpose. That includes you and it includes me. We're not here by chance. We're here for a reason. And you know, if we want to live a life that is filled with this deep joy and real happiness that we are talking about, pursuing the purpose of God needs to be our first priority above anything else. Above anything else. You know, despite popular opinion, the purpose of our time here on this planet is not just to live for number one. You know, we are not here on this earth just to acquire possessions, obtain status and achieve success. It's not just about that. It's so much more than that. You know, the purpose of your life, it is so much bigger than your own personal comfort. The purpose of your life is so much bigger than your own personal fulfilment. You know, despite what we think, despite what we hear, despite what we're told all the time, our life is not just about us. You know, we're here to learn how to love. When Jesus was walking this planet, what did he say? He said, the two most important things you can do is love God and love each other. That's what life is all about. And we may have a great job and a great car and a great house but if we don't learn how to love God and how to love people we are missing the point it's only when we put Jesus first people second and ourselves third that we'll experience a real sense of purpose you know when the apostle Paul was nearing the end of his life he said for me to live is Christ to die is gain For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, Paul, he didn't keep a secret, the fact that he was excited about his spending eternity in heaven. He didn't make a secret of that. But at the same time, he remained focused on fulfilling his earthly purpose. The purpose of God consumed his life. And you know what Paul said? For me to live is Christ. Let me ask you this morning as I come to a close, what would you say about your life? Would you say for me to live is Christ or would you say for me to live is possessions? For me to live is status? For me to live is popularity? 
What would go at the end of your sentence? Let's ask ourselves this morning. Let's go away thinking about this. What are we living for? What are you living for? What's top of your agenda? It's top of your priority list. You know, are we caught up with living for the cause of Christ? Or are we caught up with living for our own cause? Are we consumed with fulfilling God's purpose for us? Or are we just bothered about fulfilling our own purpose? You know, the truth is, and this is the truth, we can spend a whole life, we can spend a whole life trying to fulfill our own desires. But the reality is that happiness escapes those who pursue it, but it follows those who follow God. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I just want to thank you this morning for your word to us. I thank you, God, that you came. You sent Jesus so that we may have life and life in abundance. And I just pray that we will be a people who know what it means to experience a real internal joy. I pray that this week we will check our perspective. I pray that you will help us, God, to practice contentment, as difficult as that may be. And I pray that we would just be caught up with fulfilling the amazing plan and the amazing purpose that you have for us. Because we want to live lives that are sold out for you, Jesus. We want to reach people for you, Jesus. So I just pray a blessing on every precious person gathered in this place. I pray that this week we'll go to a new level with you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Delancey Eden Church. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelan.co.uk.